Welcome to Visma Ski Classics podcast, Livigno to Levy. Visma Ski Classics is the long distance ski championships with 12 pro tour events and 35 pro teams, bringing professional and recreational skiers together. We will analyze the events on the tour, portray the legends of the sport, and help you to become a better skier. Welcome to a new episode of Livigno to Levy. Today, Lina Korsgren and Emil Persson is with us since they won Visma Alp Trophy, which is a competition including the events Engadin, La Diagonela, Tobla Cortina and Marcia Longa. But first, let's listen to Annegrete Tomle Carlsen on Visma. Visma has been the title sponsor for Ski Classics for six years. First of all, we want to congratulate both Persson and Korsgren via the Vismalp Trophy. They are really proof of how exciting the Vismalp Trophy can be with the final in Marcellonga last weekend. We are so impressed. We introduced the Visma Alp Trophy for the races in the Alps and the Visma Nordic Trophy for the races in the Nordic uh, because we wanted to add even more excitement to the Visma Ski Classics Tour. Some skiers are better suited for the Alp races uh, compared to those in the Nordic countries and uh, vice versa. And uh, since the season is long, Illness and uh, injuries uh, can impair the chance uh, to win the overall standings. Therefore, it's uh, exciting and inspiring to break up the tour into these trophies, giving the athletes the extra motivation with a prize money of uh, €7,500 for each uh, trophy. To win uh, these trophies uh, requires strength, teamwork, resilience and uh, the ability to endure adversity and rough environments. All these are all virtues and, and values Visma identifies with. We have received uh, feedback from uh, the pro athletes that the trophy competition are highly appreciated and it uh, makes the tour more interesting for fans and uh, commentators uh, as well. We are looking forward to seeing the excitement and uh, how the Visma Nordic Trophy will turn out when it all kicks off at the Vasaloppe in, uh, in March. Visma is a leading European supplier of business-critical software to companies of, of all sizes, uh, organizations and the public sector. We believe in empowering people through technology and uh, by helping close to 1 million customers run their business every day, we give uh, companies competitive edge and uh, individuals the time to, to focus on uh, what they love. Hello and welcome, Lina and Emil. Hello. Hello. Where are you? Uh, when you start with Lina. Are you in, uh, in Sweden or are you still in the Alps? Uh, I'm still in the Alps. We travel back to Toblash, so we will be here uh, uh, till uh, Jeserska. Oh yeah, and you, Emil, you're? Yeah, I went home after Marcelonga, so home in Östersund now and back in training. 
And Anegirete told us a little about the background for uh, Visma Alp Trophy, which is uh, this year it's including uh, the first three races. And uh, what do you say about uh, about this concept with having uh, like a cup within the cup? We start with you, Emil. Yeah, I think it's nice. It's uh, give a chance to more athletes to like yeah, have a good chance to prize money. If you're a good shape uh, in January, like now, and like the Nordic Trophy, in, if you're a good shape, uh, shape in the Vasalop and uh, the rest of the season. So I, I, I like the concept. When you're sitting or when you're out roller skiing in, in October and you're thinking about this, the Alp Trophy and the Nordic Trophy, which one would you prefer? Which one would you have thought this would be my favorite? Of course, the, the Nordic Trophy is my home. I think uh, the, the Alp Trophy suits me better. Uh, why? I, I like to compete down in the Alps. And so and the race is how they... They've been the last year, so had a good shape, and I've done very good race results there, which I haven't done in uh, the Alp Alp race, well, in in the Nordic races. Yeah, it's it's kind of that for for your team. You're usually better in the Alps than in the in the last races. Do you know why? I don't know exactly, but we have uh, like some talked a lot about it and thought uh, how we're gonna change that so we have a better form the the last half of the season so hopefully the rest of my team have a good shape there because i have had a really good shape this three races and what do you say about visma alp trophy lena is it like um, what's more different like the snow or is it or the terrain or what would you say it's the difference between these races mm, yeah i mean of course it's um it's different condition if you compare to sweden or norway i think it's uh, always uh, it's a different snow here in the alps it's uh yeah they have uh, a lot of salt uh, on the ways so it's always salt in the tracks also so of course it's a little bit different the condition and um Oh, yeah. so you get salt in the in the ski tracks? Yeah, sometimes or quite often the the tracks are so near the ways, uh, the road. So, yeah, it's uh, often that it's uh, some snow from uh, the roads in the ski track also. So you can feel that in the snow. Yes. But but like in uh, the salt snow, that's something you could do when it's very warm to make the snow go faster and to like be better, better stick to it itself. Do you, is it like faster when it's salt in the snow? Mm, no, I think it's slower. <laughs> it's, uh, I don't think it's the same thing. But, uh, uh, this salt, uh, like you have the salt when it uh, will go faster. It's, um, it's hard to explain, but it's uh, get uh, quite yeah it's uh, not so fresh but it's fresh but not uh, i cannot explain but it's different condition uh, if you compare to the nordic snow so, so do your waxers take into account like a race near a road 
uh, maybe not in race near the road, but of course they take um, yeah take consider to the to the conditions and uh, they do a lot of tests here when we are at the Alps and uh, it's uh, often the same <laughs> the same uh, skis which is good uh, when you're in Switzerland and when you are in Italy and when you are in uh, uh, in other countries here also and when you come back home to Sweden it's uh, often not the same uh, pair of skis who is fast. So if it's minus five Celsius and cloudy in the Alps uh, it's not the same pair of ski when it's minus five and cloudy in the Nordic countries? Mm, not so often but it, of course it can be but it's some different. Uh, I'm not that snow expert so I will not uh, say anything more about this but uh, what I have heard uh, from our vexer it's a uh, different yes. Yeah maybe we should have a, a an episode in this podcast about uh, the humidity of snow and about salt and so on so so yeah. <laughs> be ready for that. Yeah. Um, so you so you, Lina Korsgren from Team Ramudden and Emil Persson, uh, Lager, 157, uh, Lager 157 ski team, you have achieved some really awesome results this season. You not only won the Visma Alp Trophy, you you also won Marcia Longa and you had some great start of this season. Um, if we start with... Uh, with Lina, like, what kind of response? It's it's the first time you win this race, Marcia Longa. What kind of response did you receive? Mm, I mean, uh, you can uh, you can feel it's a big race, and um, it's lot uh, like Vasa Lopet. It's a it's a race with a lot of history, and uh, many people know this race, and they think it's uh, big and huge also like me so when you when you do this victory in Marcellonga you get a lot of feedback and it's uh, really really nice to see that so many people uh, is sharing for you so yeah you have won Vasalopet and, and what's the feeling when you cross the finish line in Vasalopet compared to last Sunday uh, it was a different feeling because I never uh, take a victory in Marcellonga before, so this was a really, really big goal for me. I had this uh, goal last season, but then I get sick after Kaiser Maximilian Lauf, and I felt that my shape wasn't uh, so good when I com- competed in Marcellonga last year. So I really, really want <laughs> to win this year, and uh, yeah, I. Uh, I had a goal that I should uh, be focused on the, this, uh, I don't know, in the English word, the, the kransen. <laughs> and uh, the, the thing you get around your neck. Yeah, exactly. I I have that in my mind for, uh, yeah, three days before the race and the whole race. I just focused on that one and uh, it was really, really nice and cool when when I got it in, in the finish line. Uh, and you, Emil, you got uh, 238 comments on your Instagram uh, after your victory in Marcelonga. Did you read them all? <laughs> yeah, I tried to read them all. Maybe I missed someone, but... Uh, uh, so. But I mean, I, I guess, how do you do with that? I mean, you are 
lots of people are, I guess, are contacting you after a race like this. Are you, are you sitting with your phone for hours or how, how do you do it? Yeah, I spend uh, many hours with my phone and uh, answering uh, people and thanking them. And it's just uh, nice to see how many people are like watching the races and uh, cheering for you. So it's, it's uh, just nice to, to do it. What what's your impression like? Um, you have won races before. You won two races last year. The response from the from the audience, from the spectators, and from the ski fans and so on is it different now compared to last year? You would say not just your victories, but overall the interest. How is it any difference? Yeah, it's uh, uh, yeah, it's a big difference. Uh, not a big difference. It's, it's a difference with the. But with my victory, like in Kaiser last year, it's not as not as many people who saw that and uh, cheered for me there. But now after Marcialonga, uh, I understand how big Marcialonga is for many people. Like it, the Italians, the locals are cheering for me there. They the big races. And uh, now both of you have won. The first race in the Grand Classics, and uh, when we went into this season, uh, like I think most people thought that oh, no one is gonna make it since, uh, I mean, maybe Britta could have done it or Andreas Nygor could have done it and so on. But I, I don't think so many people thought that there was a skier that could win all those four events. But now I think. Uh, Especially for you, uh, Lena, may, many see you as, uh, as someone who could take a grand slam. Uh, what do you say about it? I am mm, glad to hear that uh, that people believe in me. Um, like I say, say before, I will take race by race. Of course, I have the grand slam some, some there, uh, some in my mind. But I mean... It's uh, it's a long time to be a beginner in it, and uh, uh, you cannot uh, you cannot focus on that now. You must do the Yiselska first, and after you've done Yiselska, it's also a lot. But so I mean, it's uh, it's a long way, but um, of course I have a chance. But we will see. Yeah, and what do you say, Emil? Yeah, just like Alina uh, saying that. You have to do one race, Iserska uh, first, then Vasaloppe. You can't focus on uh, the Grand Classic in uh, Birken now because it's yeah. not it's not easy uh, easy task to do. And you know that you you don't get uh, hundred thousand euro each. You have to split it if you both win it. So <laughs> maybe you should <laughs> talk about that if you have three wins each before the last race. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe so. Um uh, this year the the races in the women's category has been really exciting and um, uh, usually we don't have the same possibilities to do team tactics uh, because the women are fewer but now we have team Ramudan with three really strong girls we have uh, Team Kuting with uh, Emilie Fleten and Astrid Erislind, even though Astrid hasn't been 
that great shape so far. And we also have Lager 157 ski team with uh, Britta, who is uh, Johan Sanogren. She's out now uh, uh, because of injury. And Elin Molin. So we have like three teams that could do some tactical maneuvers. Um, so I think many spectators have been kind of excited. But how much, like, what do you say on your meetings the day before, Lena, about tactics in the women's field? Yeah, we have talked about it, of course, um, uh, in, yeah, before every race. Uh, it's always uh, difficult to have uh, uh, one plan for the race because, you know, you never know uh, what the other girls will do or what they're thinking or do you have the body or do you have the skis? Uh, you never know. So... <clears throat> Yeah, we we have talked about to be off, off, offensive because we know we are strong. Uh, we have seen that in the summer and in the autumn also. So, uh, yeah, the tactic have uh, been to be offensive. And uh, I think um, that have worked really good. Yeah, and like for the the tactic uh, school 105 uh, or class 105, it's like if someone in Team Rabudan is in the lead, the second girl in Team Rabudan should not uh, do too much job to, to catch her if someone else wants to do it. And we have seen that in a couple of races. But if there is a scenario when your teammates like Ida Dahl or Jenny Larsson is uh, in a breakaway, and you feel very, very strong behind in a, in a small group. What, what are you thinking then? Are you thinking that, no, I can't catch her because I need to let her win? Or do you think like, oh, I think I can catch her and get rid of the others? Or what, what are your thoughts? I mean, uh, we saw Jenny do a really, really nice uh, maneuver on uh, La Diagonela. Ida was in the front and she has a gap for like 20 or 30 seconds and uh, Jenny felt really really strong and she decided to to just go away from the from the bunch and she get Ida so I mean just because it's one drama than girls in the front uh, you have to yeah, you have to ask yourself how you feel, if you can do something. But of course, if you if you know that you can't go away from the from the group, uh, you have to stay in the group because uh, we want that one of us take the victory. So uh, yeah, we we will um, fight for each other. The performance from Team Ramudan has been strong both for the, in the women's field and in the men's field. And uh, in Tobla Cortina, something really cool happened. Jenny Larsson with a yellow bib was 11th in a race. And it's probably the first time in the women's field when the yellow bib is finishing outside top 10. Uh, so with, together with Ida Dahl, the three of you could possibly win any race. But... How, how was it during the summer? Like, who is who is strong in roller skiing and who is strong in running? Mm, we have seen that uh, 
Ida and Jenny is really strong in the roller ski, of course. Uh, I mean, I think I have uh, some more kilometers on the double pulling in the in the roller ski, so maybe I'm a little bit stronger there in the summer. But uh, both uh, Ida and Jenny is uh, really good uh, runners, especially Jenny. I think she's. Uh, Really, really strong runner, and I don't know her times, but I can say it's really fast. <laughs> okay. Um, and during the summer, like if we look at your team, Emil, uh, the report said that Anton Carlson was like the man to beat uh, during the summer. Is that your view of that also? Yeah, he had a really good check this summer. On uh, I think every roller ski race he kicked our ass. Uh, he won every every single one of them. So that was nice to see. So, but uh, some people are better at roller skiing and some people are better running and so on during the summer. But did he like? Was he he wasn't he as good in roller ski as? before or like did he improve that that skill also no he's always been good in uh, on roller skis he's done uh, the world cup on roller skis so he has always been good on roller skis but like how do you evaluate who is in shape or not because i mean someone could be like uh, a specialist in some kind of training and so on but like how, how do you how do you evaluate if someone is getting in shape during the summer and have a strong summer? Yeah, I think you get to know the person very well. Like we training all uh, many hours together, so you get to know the, the person and you feel how the the action in or on the the training session. So you can see it very quite well. But looking at in the summer, you, you trained with. Uh... With Anton and you train with Andreas Holmberg uh, and a little bit with uh, Moen Fjeld and, and with Marcus Johansson. Ha, what did you think before the season? Like now you are the strongest one on the team. Was that your guess? Uh, not that I would be the best not right now, but uh, everybody in the team has uh, taken a few steps. Felt like the whole team was has been very strong this summer and motivated through winter but then some people are have the, like the same uh, what do you say like same shape on the summer and the winter are like uh, always good on training and always good on competition then maybe there's me who not as good at, on training session or in the summer but takes many steps just because it's winter and uh, competitions yeah lots of people say that that you're really good at once you have a bib on you you're level up 10 percent uh, but if you look at your own test results during the summer did you improve yeah i have improved uh, quite a lot since last year so i had it had a good feeling to uh, this winter. Yeah. And why are you so fast in the sprints? I don't know. Maybe it's just natural. I've never done 
very much specific training on it but so i think it came uh, it's come very natural for me so you don't train more speed than anyone else on the team no i don't i think me that's and unfair I'm, yeah yeah that's very unfair but i'm very happy i got the the advantage on it yeah how, how would you say i mean lena you have uh, done world cup in sprint how would you evaluate yourself as a sprinter or finisher Mm, I will say <clears throat> that um, the sprint is one of my strengths. Uh, I have always been fast, and uh, like Emil say, I think I also have it uh, naturally in my body. I think uh, some of us is born with uh, fast uh, muscles, and uh, someone uh, is not. So I'm very lucky that I have uh, some, um, yeah fast uh, sprint skills in my body <laughs> yeah that yeah it's it's interesting it seems like fast people like you you just you just have it and some people don't they're more like even though they t- train lots of sprints they don't get the speed up yeah i think that's uh, i think so too <clears throat> if uh, you're both from sweden and in the men's category, the first two are S- Swedes for, uh, I mean, if we're going to have a quiz here, actually, because <laughs> Sweden is really strong now in long distance skiing. Uh, in the women's field, we have always been strong or like Sweden has always been strong with, uh, we had Sandra Hansson and uh, Jenny. Grip, we had Susanne Nyström, we have tons of strong skiers in the, in the past in Visma Ski Classics. But in the, uh, in the men's side, it's not has been that great. So right now, we uh, uh, have number 1, 2, 8, 9, 11, 17th, 19th, and 20th place. So Sweden has eight guys among the top 20. So... Uh, w- Two years ago, how many Swedes do you think were top 20 in the men's field in the yellow bib competition? Uh, I think it was two years ago. Yes. I think it was... In the final standings. uh, Three guys. And Lina, what's your guess? Mm, I will say two guys. Emil was right. Okay. Three guys. <laughs> so, I mean, it's from three to eight. And at that time, it was number 10, 19, and 20th. I think you were 20th, actually, Emil, or maybe 19th. Yeah, uh, so lots of things has happened. And um, what what do you think? What do you think, Lena? Why is Sweden stronger now? Um I mean, um, more uh, more guys and women is uh, do the long distance for full time. They know they want to be good at it, and of course, it takes a few years to train hard, hard for it. And uh, I think uh, the guys is uh, many of them live in Östersund in Jämtland, and I think they also train a lot with each other. I have seen that, yeah, Lager157 and uh, Oskar Kadin, Ragde lives there, and Max Novak from us, Team Ramadan. So I think they have um, 
they have really good training session uh, home in Sweden uh, with each other um, when they are from different team also, I think. But uh, you can ask Emil. Yeah, but before we ask Emil, I mean, Emil lives in Östersund with lots of uh, training partners. And, and you live like one and a half hour, uh, let's see, west of Östersund, uh, near Åre. And do you have any people to train with there? Uh, no, I train uh, most uh, by myself. Um, I train with a lot of people when I lived in Falun before, but then I moved up to Åre and uh, I do a lot of uh, training by myself. Of course, I do some training sometimes with Ida and Jenny from the team, but uh, I have realized that I I think it's quite nice to do it by myself. I'm getting older and uh, I know what... Uh, what suits me in the training and uh, it's more easy to do it by myself uh, because I, I know what I need. Your husband and uh, team director Gustav Korsgren is a former elite skier. How often do you train with him? I mean, he's, uh, <laughs> he's working the whole day. So, so of course, uh, sometimes at the weekends uh, we are training together. Uh, we do a lot of uh, bicycle cycling t- together. Uh, he he never done uh, he never do roller skiers roller skiing because uh, he don't like it. So uh, yeah, <laughs> we running sometimes and do some uh, cycling training. But uh, then he's always, uh, he can be with me also if I should do hard intervals in the uphills in order because then i need some uh, driving at the car uh, in the downhill so of course i have company but uh, the most part i do by myself yeah yeah that, that the hill that you you live actually like in a ski resort with the good roller ski hill there how is it to like your home turf like your your ski trails that's a, a touristy place how is it to train with lots of tourists? Mm, I think it's quite nice. Sometimes it's uh, many people in order and sometimes it's uh, not so many people. So you have the variation and I think it's uh, quite nice. And it's good that we have the tourists because then we have a good city with uh, a lot of good uh, restaurants and shops and uh, yeah, it's really good uh, for us to live in or uh, 400% that we also have the tourists. What's the best restaurant in Åre? Uh, it depends what you you want, <laughs> but uh, Park Villan has really good burgers, so I will say that uh, it's a favorite. Oh. Okay, yeah. And do people recognize you like when you... When you stop and have some drink or put your skis on and so on, do people talk to you since you, they recognize you? Sometimes, uh, sometimes not. Uh, sometimes I can uh, training on the on my uh, tracks in order and they can ask me, oh, are you so strong that you can double pulling this uh, 10K? And I just, yes. <laughs> it's no problem. You know, I take, <laughs> take one more lap. So... It's quite funny also that uh, people don't recognize me and uh, you can just, uh, yeah, you can just be nice to them. Yeah. And for you, Emil, it's it's really different. Like when I look at Strava, it's like uh, there is a workout and then there is like five co-skiers 
uh, how how often do you train by yourself or how often do you are a little small gang uh, it's not often that i train by myself but uh so i think it's about 80 percent of the sessions is what with other guys so i like it a lot i i get more more motivated to to train with many people so it's good to have many long distance skiing friends in Östersund here is there any drawbacks with training with others no I don't think so. Uh, but, I don't see them so. Well, like, how, how do you about the intensity? If you have like on a training schedule, you should have this and this heart rate, and someone is skiing faster or slower. What do you do then? Yeah, of course, it's up to me then to just drop the Ella, like let them go and uh, do my own pace. So it's my up to myself. But sometimes you just go with it and uh, accept that it's okay. Today it was this pace, so accept it and maybe chill, take take a chill some other day. Who, who is who are you skiing with? Uh, it's mostly Andreas Holmberg and Anton Carlsen and Oscar Karin, and of course my brother, who's always started to. Nils Persson. Yeah. So they they four. Uh, I think that's the. So, so you stick to the Vismaski Classics skier. Yeah, uh, often is because it's we have similar um, training sessions, like long uh, sessions and uh, only double polling, because there there are, there are many traditional skiers here as well but i don't have the same uh, plan as them so not i don't train with them so often who who of them are willing to set the high pace in a in a long slow distance distance workout uh, of of the long distance skiers like oscar and andreas or yeah yes uh, i don't know it's it's not uh, the one single guy who always go fast. I think the one who has the the best day sets the pace and uh, stays in the front and do all the work that day, and the rest yeah. of the guys just stay behind them. Yeah. Do you talk to each other or are you just tired and trying to hang on? Yeah, we talk talk a lot, but because we have so many hours together, it there are many sessions like in four hours we maybe say 10 words to each other and just <laughs> you ra- you run out of topics yeah yeah we just go and do our sessions then we, when we're done we say goodbye and okay see you next day yeah um in those workouts, like if you have intervals, do do you coordinate them or you you do them by yourselves? Uh, we coordinate them too. I do the most interval with Andreas Holmberg uh, and Anton Carlson and the same people. And uh, we all uh, hope we have some other guys too. 
specialize, especially in the in the summer, if we do some uphill skiing in on Trøsebjerget. Now you can be part of Visma Ski Classics. Sign up for my pages if you haven't done it yet. You can be ranked among other skiers, including our pro team athletes, and compare your ranking with your friends. You can also get different pins that measure your achievements. So go to vismaskiclassics.com, sign in by clicking my pages on the top, and get ready for action in Season 11. In this podcast, I think it was last episode or maybe two episodes ago, uh, Andreas Nygaard was a guest and he said almost like Marit Björgen will be a favorite for Vasaloppet. What do you say about that, Lina? Mm, yeah, I heard that. And uh, of course, uh, Marit, uh, I'm sure that she will be really, really strong at Vasaloppet. But uh, I think, uh, yeah, me and Britta and uh, uh, many other girls have uh, done Vasaloppet uh, many years now. And uh, we knew this uh, race better than her. So, uh, yeah, I think we, we have uh, this, uh, uh, yeah, we will, um, we will have this uh, in front of us what what do you think is the key to uh, get rid of get rid of uh, Marit Björgen? Like in the in the race, it's hard to say. I mean, uh, Vasaloppet is Vasaloppet. It's ninety uh, k. It uh, can happen so so many things uh, for uh, when it's so such long race. And uh, I have never competed to Marit in such a long race before. I think maybe I have. Uh, uh, compete with her at some World Cup race, but then I have been <laughs> minutes after her. But uh, of course, she wish will be really, really strong. She have uh, trained many, many years and uh, been such a good skier in the World Cup for so long. So I think she will be strong, and uh, yeah, we will see how we will beat her. But uh, I think we have a really good chance to beat her. Yeah. So before you you had a quiz. Now now we're gonna have a, a guess instead. Uh, so Lina and Emil, you should say what place will Marit finish in Vasaloppet? Mm. That's a tough one. Yeah, I think she will be uh, fifth. And Lina, I take notes here. Mm, it's a hard question. Uh, I think she will be number four. Number four. Thank. Uh, talk about guessing. Uh, there is something called Vispaski Classics Fantasy, where you put your like own team. You get an uh, amount of money, and you can buy like skiers. Um, create your own team. Uh, are you in that? Yeah. I do it, but it's not going uh, going as well. <laughs> it's not going very well for me there. But I'm trying uh, to do it. Be- better in skiing. Uh, yeah. uh, Lina, are you in there too? And uh, no, I'm not. I'm so I'm not so interesting by that. Uh, I am so bad to 
to figure out who is going to be strong tomorrow. And uh, I think it's just uh, it's just getting me nervous to think about uh, those results the day before. Yeah, but you, Emil, is that something you talk about in your team and you're like have fun about that and you pick on each other if someone is better and so on? Uh, yeah, we discussed it a lot uh, like the day before, where when everybody is sitting on the Fasma uh, fantasy page and hmm, who would I take for tomorrow and so on, uh, discussing who we think will go fast and who we think will it's a bad choice for the coming races, but. Which is one is your best pick? Like who who was pretty cheap and, and still strong? Uh, I think the new young guys like Johannes Eklöv in Romanden. He's been very cheap and he's get a lot of points. So did you buy yourself and before Marcelonga? Yeah, I bought myself uh, before Lotte <laughs> Daniela, so I believe in myself. Okay. Oh, that's that's good. Do you think? Let's see if Max Novak bought himself also. He's kind of into that with uh, uh, yeah. gambling. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, Ski Classics Fantasy is one dimension of, of uh, Visma Ski Classics, and we can recommend all the listeners. It's it's very fun. Um, you're in the middle of the season now. You have done three events, and uh, there is it's not back-to-back. We have a, a little rest between some of the races, but like, how do you think... Uh, Training-wise, how how much do you train during the season? If we if we start with you, Lina. Mm, I train uh, quite much. I think uh, this year I have Matthias Reck, uh, who is my uh, trainer coach, and uh, I do a lot of hours now between the race also. So. Uh, yeah, he said to me that I must do my hours uh, to keep my uh, to keep my uh, shape. So I just do what he told me, and yeah, it's like three or four hours um, every day. Of course, I have rest days also, but um, yeah, it's a lot of hours. But so you do train three or four hours per day with a rest day. Is it like almost twenty hours per week during the season? And of course, it depends that we have some travel day and we have a day before the race. So then you don't train three or four hours. Uh, then you only train maybe one hour. So uh, it's maybe 15 hours or something. Uh, it's uh, it's not three or four hours every day, but I have some periods for three or four days when I have this uh, many hours. But do you do, like, let's say Vasalopet is your biggest goal, how much of tapering do you do if you train? Like, yeah, how are you doing with the the tapering for uh, the big race? Or are you tapering at all? Um, I don't know what what you mean with... Tapering is to uh, decrease your training volume, like to train uh, eight hours instead of 20 hours Uh, to get in shape for a week. I mean, it's always depend uh, where you are, in what shape you are. Uh, you can, I cannot say now how how I will train before Vasalopet because it's uh, depend uh, what I do on Yserska and how is my shape when I come back to Sweden and uh, so and so. So I don't know. We will see, but of course you will 
you will do your hours, but it's not only the focus on the hours. You you have to have a feeling what's uh, best uh, then and there. And uh, for you, Emil, like for example, do you have interval sessions in between the races when you like do races every weekend? Yeah, I try to have a one session with the intervals every week. Uh, not the toughest interval, just like to breathe a li- breathe a little and uh, get some speed. Yeah. So it's like five times five. So it's not not much for for me, but it's to have a to keep my fitness up between the races. Yeah. Do you do strength and running also during the season? Uh, yeah, I do a lot of, uh, maybe not a lot of training, uh, strength training. It's, I think I get maybe one, two strength uh, training per week. But uh, the running bit is like maybe one one hour a week. Yeah. Why, why do you run? You're a skier. Yeah, I don't know. It just if I did, uh, did like three hours of double polling on the morning and the strength, and then one hour of running in the afternoon. So just to get some hours. When you are staying in the Alps or wherever between races, and uh, there are nice sceneries and nice weather and so on, like or how weather dependent are you? Like if it says minus five and it's very sunny compared to kind of nasty weather, does that affect your training or you just stick to the plan if you start with Lena? Mm, <laughs> I will say that, uh, yeah, I train more when it's good, uh, nice weather. Of course, if I have a session with intervals and uh, it's bad weather, it's not uh, that I'm staying inside, but I do the job. Uh, but uh, I can have on my plan, uh, plan uh, it can uh, stand uh, if it's good weather today, you can be out uh, a little bit more and a little bit longer than we have, say. So I think both me and Matthias like uh, sunny weather conditions. So, yeah, I train after the sun a little bit. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, Mat- Matthias Rekia, you mentioned uh, your, your coach in last episode, but like how often does he send you training plans? Is it like every week or every month or how, how often do you, is it a new plan? It's every week. Uh, like I said before, we cannot plan, uh, have a plan for a long time because uh, you have to feel how your body feel and that's really important for me. So I get uh, a program for like, five days and then uh, we take a check and then we do a new a new plan Uh, what about you emil are you does the weather affect you no i do the the plan uh no weather uh, if it's sunny or rainy if it stays uh, three hours i do three hours if it says uh, intervals i do my intervals but of course, it's much nicer if it's sun outside. 
who is your coach? Is it? Yeah, who is your coach? Yeah, it's Anton Jernberg. Yeah, because he has a few of you in the team, right? Yeah, he has uh, oh, everybody but Britta and Eivind. Uh, they do their own plans. Yeah. So, so how similar is your training compared to the other guys on the team? Yeah. Me and Andreas is very identical. I think Anton Carlson is changing a, a little, and uh, Mackan who is lives in Ulysahan has uh, some other plans. So it's not really like Wolfgang Pischler with the, the same to everyone. No, but it's the the main thought is the same, but it's not the same. Uh, sessions every day when when you have both of you have plans like if you get sick what's in like for recreational skier it's it's kind of hard when you or even if you're a recreational skier and if you're an elite skier professional skier maybe you have a plan for big race and this and this week, you should have big volume and this and this interval sessions and so on. And then you get six for one or two weeks. How do you handle it in terms of training? Yeah, I try to accept the situation and okay, now I will be gone from the skiing for like a week. Then I just lay on the couch and watch many movies and just get the time running and then we see uh, when i like coming back and i there i i thinking about how i will train the coming days what's your first two days after you have been sick for one week well how do you train the first two days uh i go a a lot on, on how i feel like okay my plan is to do like maybe one hour one and a half but oh okay if it feels good i maybe do two hours the first day and then i feel the second day i okay i have the same plan of the one and a half hour okay it's felt good i do two hours it's like it goes like that the first uh, four or five days then the interval is maybe in the fifth six days after i've been ill yeah so you wait with intensity work yeah it's not the first thing i do yeah when you were sick during the season last year lena was marcha longa did that come too early for you mm, yeah i mean it was not uh, perfect uh, to to start with marcha longa after uh, four or five days at the skis uh, after sickness, but uh, when you are in season, you yeah you do <laughs> maybe not the uh, the best thing uh, what, like you have done if you have a lot of time in the summer. But uh, maybe sometimes you can have uh, to take a chance, and sometimes it works, and it works for me uh, last season when I when I did the Marcelonga, and then I stay healthy after that and could do the rest of the season uh, it was not so long season but uh, sometimes it doesn't work but uh, i have lucky uh, last season 
What, what do you do when you're sick in the middle of season? Uh, or what do you do between uh, the training sessions? Like, yeah. What do you, what do you, how do you spend your time? Mm, yeah. Uh, do you not? Uh, when you're sick, you're so sad. So you just uh, want to, yeah, like the MSA, <laughs> watch movies and Netflix and things like that. Uh, if you're healthy and uh, you have done your training for today, uh, you, I do some work uh, with Ramudan or uh, I do Netflix also and uh, or I do something who, who something that I need to do. But uh, of course, it's a lot of shield time when you are on in traveling or when you're home. How much time do you need to spend on administration and so on with Ramadan? Mm, it's a little bit different uh, uh, of the time of the year, but um, uh, it's not so much. I get uh, good help from Gustav, but of course it's a little bit more uh, uh, than the other athletes in the team. Uh, but uh, I have decided by myself, so it's, uh, it's not a problem. Do you have your own sponsors or just the sponsor through Ramadan? Mm, yeah, we have uh, this big sponsor, Ramadan. Then we have uh, another sponsor also to the team, uh, Franke. And uh, the athletes can have uh, one sponsor by themselves also. So that it's a little mm. different. Yeah. Uh, and what you said, Netflix, uh, what have you watched the last weeks? What's been the best last weeks? Actually, I haven't seen much Netflix. I see Seymour now. It's a Swedish uh, streaming. Okay. But uh, yeah, we're waiting for uh, the new Beck movie who will release tomorrow. So we will have movie night tomorrow with the whole team and look at the new Beck movie. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. And what about you, Emil? What do you watch? Uh, right. Lately. Now I'm uh, watching a, a documentary of, about uh, Lance Armstrong on uh, on Seymour. And uh, I like it. Yeah. Uh, do you see the races, Vismaski Classics races afterwards, Emil? Yeah, I uh, watch them. Of course. Well, I, you? I, I want to see how how everybody did. Like I just know how I went my race, and maybe we talk about talk about the race in the team and how we did it. And so I know you were disappointed about your last kilometer in Tobla Cortina. Have you seen that over and over again and analyzed it thoroughly? Yeah, I watched it many times. So. Did you get any solutions? Yeah, I come up come up with any uh, some solutions that I uh, some bad mistakes I did the last kilometers. Whoever, what should what should you have done? I should have been more off offensive the last uh, kilometers there when we came to the stadium and just went uh, to the front earlier and. Stay there and give my better, give me a better positions to the the, the finish. 
is that a trade-off? Like, cause it's tough to be in the front. Uh, at one point, it's good to be in the front, have the right to position. How how do you think that in that way? Yeah, it's a very hard, hard, hard decisions to take. Uh, it's cost a lot more energy to be in the front, and but uh, it's easier. You have a uh, like. Uh, you know where everybody else is, they are behind you. But just like it was in uh, the it was uphill and downhill and uh, many swings and like, so it, it happens a lot. It was int intensive the last 500 meters there. So Ermil showed that it was, that was the best tactic to stay in the front. Me and uh, Oscar, who are, was it third and fourth? It, uh, okay, okay, we rely on our sprints, but it showed out it was not the best decision. Do you learn a lot from watching like races to to learn like should I be first there or not or like what kind of stadium it is and like do do you do you sit down and like try to figure out what's the best position before the stadium? Yeah, of course. Uh, now to Marcia Longa, I watch uh, watched uh, Tour of Berdal and last year how he won, and uh, okay, I, it worked out very well for him. So I I tried to do the same, and it worked out for me. Yeah. So, do you also watch the races, Lena? Mm, I have done it, uh, yes, uh, but now I think I have. Uh... I have uh, skied the race so many times now, so yeah, uh, I knew the tracks uh, very well. But uh, like Emil say, if it's something tactic, te te tactic you want to see, it's uh, really good to watch the race. And uh, I think it's nice also to see the race and, uh, and listen to Vaki and Sad. And uh, yeah, it's a really good atmosphere to see the race uh, after also. Do you use the race to watch your own technique? Yes, uh, I do. Uh, I did it after Torblash because uh, I think I yeah, it was good tech, uh, technique, but um, yeah, I watched it and I saw that I uh, was a little bit uh, um, long with my arms, my um Hands was a little bit uh, behind my body, so I saw that and I thought about it uh, when I did the last climb in Marcelonga, and I think it responded good. But do you mean uphills now? Because that's kind of your way to ski otherwise. I mean, you're always far behind with the hands in your double pulling and flat sections. Yeah, I mean, in the uphills, yeah. Yeah, because you're, I mean, you you have a technique with uh, what you're saying or what we are saying is that when you pull your, the double pulling stroke through, you let your arms go far back and more far back than some other skiers that, that, that stop their stroke a little earlier. What What's your, what's your comment on that? Mm, I mean, I I don't know if I <laughs> I do it. Uh, 
I think about it, of course, but I mean, every skiers have their own uh, specific technique. Uh, it's hard to to learn something new. I have uh, changed a lot in, in my technique the last year, but uh, my long arms, I cannot do <laughs> so much about. So I think it's, uh, yeah, you have your own uh, your own style and it's uh, hard to to do the perfect uh, the perfect because it is a little bit different that the length of the stroke if we look at the peloton and some people stop right after their legs even if it's a flat section i mean in uphills everyone or almost everyone is short Uh, and the reason some people stop early is probably because they don't want to use their triceps too much but uh, like, what's your take on that, Emil? Or would you say you're a long stroker or a short stroker? Uh, I think I'm. I'm. Uh, I don't know. I think I uh, adapt to the train. I like short up and. I'm, but if you on the flats, I think I'm a long, uh, long uh, stroker because. If uh, I re- relax with my arm, they just go back and just let them and save some energy there a few milliseconds. But I, yeah. I do a very short, intense work when I push this, uh, I put uh, all the power on the, the poles. And then you let it go through and then yeah. get some relaxation there. Yeah. Exactly. How do you work when you're technique training, Emi? Like, uh, how if you if you say now I've been working on my technique, what have you done? I do some uh, video analysis, like on our uh, training camp, Anton Jernberg filming us uh, from the car beside, the, like on the flats, on the uphills, and then may, maybe we stop for a few minutes in the in the session and uh, talk about my technique uh, what can i do better and so and uh, then i the videos are on the like ipad after the session i can watch it and go back and forth for uh, would you say you have changed your technique a lot the last years uh no i don't think i've changed so much born, born, born perfect no no, no <laughs> of course not but uh, maybe i uh, touch it up like a little and then yeah because i i get stronger i can uh, hold uh, the position better but i think it's evolving uh, all the time yeah if we look at you lena i mean if if you compare you to the to britta johansson norian it looks very differently uh, is uh, you said it's like that's the way you have skied for a long time and so on but you have not only your stroke is longer also your arms when they hit the ground are a little straighter than Britta's like is that something you think about yes um, it's I have uh, I have thought about it uh, and I have work uh, to to do it like the, this uh, way, I I did I I I skiing, 
um, I don't know. It's. Uh, I think we have. Uh, I, I think that's it's nice that you can ski in different way in double pooling and and uh, it fits you different way. And uh, me and Britta have of course different techniques, but. Um, I mean that shows that double pulling is just uh, not. Uh, yeah, you cannot do it in just one way. You can do it in many different ways. So, oh. yeah. But we talk about straight arms. Like Anders Auckland is is another person that's double pulling with with kind of straight arms on the flat sections. What would you say is the the benefits and what are the, the drawbacks with with having pretty straight arms when you hit the ground? Mm, I think you get um, uh, a lot of power when you do it in my way, but if it's the right, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Um, talking about skiing in the group and so on, like it's a lot of talking about skis and glide and having the right skis and having the right wax and structure and so on. Um, how much do you feel it uh, when you're skiing a race? I mean, of course, you can feel like your skis are good, but the others, can you directly see that, oh, okay, that guy in Russian winter team, uh, he uh, or she, those skis are really good or really bad? Like, how much, how much do you see that? You don't see it so much uh, when you're skiing, but in the downhills we can see it, and it's quite obvious there. But in the flats or in the uphills, you you can't see it so obvious. But are there big differences? You would say? Yeah, it can. Uh, it's a very big difference between the in- teams and the, the skiers. In what conditions are the differences bigger? It's not the specific conditions that uh, the big difference is. It's who has uh, succeeded with the waxing and who has not succeeded with the waxing that day. Waxers often say that it's most about the ski and then it's about the structure and then it's a little bit about the actual waxing products but when is it often like if someone on the team has good or bad skis it's the same with the rest of the team yeah in uh, in our team it's it's like if one have good the, the rest often has good and uh, so otherwise like if i have bad skis the often the rest of the guys have bad skis so because we often go uh, uh, like similar skis, the same series. Okay, so then you, yeah, it's it's not for sure that it's about the waxing, because you you pick the same skis also. Yeah, yeah, maybe some uh, some races we we pick different skis, like maybe I pick a, a short one, like the sp- uh, sprint. Uh, skis and uh, maybe someone someone take the long skis and uh, we after the race we like oh I had so good skis and uh, the other one oh I didn't have so good skis 
So it is that your change a lot during the race of the king. Is that your experience also, Lina? Uh, yeah. Um uh, we all uh, in our team we also the girls have the same um um the same brand on the ski Solomon and the guys have the same brand Fisher on their skis, so we always uh, usually we go on the same uh, type of skis, so um yeah we we usually have the the same type of skis so um, yes it's like uh, who they work in logger 157 so now we have we we've done the first grand classics event marchalonga and we're right now or the the coming races is jeserska it's vasaloppet birkebeinerennet and then we have Orifelsloppet, uh, Reistaloppet, and Ullislevi. What's your like thoughts on the the season as a whole when it, we have now six events left? I think we have done the the easy part. Now the the real hard part begins with Vasaloppet and uh, especially Orifelsloppet, who who will be the the longest and the hardest race this season then there's there's many weeks to to live in so we have to be folk be focused for many weeks yeah uh, and lena i mean what it feels like but it's uh, almost at your home turf it's uh, the first race in this musky classics that's 100 kilometers well how what do you say about that race I'm really looking forward to what it feels like. I, yeah, I have uh, done uh, these uh, tracks many times, especially uh, in this spring when we have these corona things after after Barcelopet when it gets so short season. So uh, they did a really good job with the tracks there in the spring. So I train a lot there in the spring. So I knew the 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 course well so i'm really looking forward to it okay thank you very much uh, lina Koshkin and emil passion and i'm your host today at erik Wikström. so you both of you have a great rest of the day and we will see you soon again yeah thank you thank you, you. bye This podcast is a W Sports Media production.